content warning for suicide as it occurs within this episode. Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 6, Episode 8, Chapter 103, The Town. After learning that Percival Pickens is behind a blistering article calling Riverdale the worst town in America, Archie comes up with a plan to prove him wrong. Meanwhile, after the town council goes after their casino, Veronica and Reggie decide they're going to do everything on the up and up moving forward. Finally, Britta makes a risky move to help Cheryl. This one wasn't as fun. This one was interesting because I feel like the messaging that's in there is okay in that it's Riverdale, so it's not very elegant. But the superpowers thing is feels a little messy. It's just, it, it feels forced. It feels very forced uh, all the way around on the superpowers and mm-hmm. the, the, the superness of it all. I actually really appreciate the messaging because it's, Yes, it's blunt force. Sure. But which is, which is fine. But with the topic they're talking about, we mince words way too often. Sure. And they created a villain that's very much the philosophy of most of the people who act like that. Oh, sure. Totally. Um, and of course we're talking about um the unhoused. And I do like that they were able to tie it back to a story that does not get enough play, and that's that Jughead was homeless. He was taken care of by the town in part because he was a child, but he was living in the school. Like that's where he lived when he wasn't living at the drive-in movie theater. So that's a really interesting callback to like, this is something that's really that, that like touches on Jughead's life. So I appreciate that. So this didn't, while this, like there were, the messaging is very in your face. It didn't come out of nowhere. Which I no. also appreciate. Like, we've been spending time in Sketch Alley, tying back to Doc. Like, that, we've been getting that story and that character for a while. So, that all makes sense. So, this is like a moment where they looked at their the pieces they had and they played them well. Like, I, I mean, yay. But I just, the, the, the superhero-ness of it all is, it's messy, it's weird, I'm not sure where they're headed. But that could just be the result of it's, the third episode in a little arc of things here. And so we've got to rearrange some pieces before we can go to the next thing. Well, and that's the other thing is that we still don't know what the official order count is for this season. Mm. So we don't know if we're getting a back nine or a back 13. Um, I've seen some websites be like, oh, well, we're going all the way to 22 episodes, but I just don't see that happening. So we don't know where we are in that flow. <laughs> They don't make it easy for us ever, do they? No. Of course, you know, CW is kind of going through a whole, like, they're being bought and purchased and all stuff. So, like, that's definitely in play. So, yeah, that's interesting. What if this show gets unceremoniously just dumped? That would be awful. <laughs> well, most of the cast is is under contract for season seven. 
That's fair. They wouldn't they wouldn't just dump it at this point. They've got too much invested in it. Well, but. I mean, it is right now it's one of their tent poles. It's not a, the center one, but there's no reason because nobody watches the show when it airs. No one like the <laughs> the live watches are abysmal for this show. But God is it fun to catch up on. So like this show doesn't make a ton of money in terms of like live watch ad sales in that way. What they probably are doing really well on is the very blatant in-show advertising, like the Doritos, Chime, and this this episode, we got Benjamin Moore, like legit Benjamin Moore, not Benjamin Less or some other bullshit name, just straight up Benjamin Moore. I didn't want to laugh at it until we got there, but since we've already blown that Holy shit, that's the wildest product placement I've ever seen on a television show. <laughs> no, that's not the wildest product placement I've a, ever seen. A paint company on Riverdale? What person watching Riverdale is going to think, oh, hey, I need to paint my uh, my living room tomorrow, too? This show does very well in the 25 to 35 uh, group, and those people are looking at buying homes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Also, here's the thing about teenagers. They hear a brand. They go to a store. Oh, that's the brand that they talked about on Riverdale. So I'm going to look at that brand. I'm going to look at that brand. On that show that I watch, they talked about Tiffany's. I need. I, I want to look at Tiffany's stuff. Like, that's how it works. But Benjamin Moore. I'm sorry. I'm going to need you to show me a lot more advanced metrics, Benjamin Moore, before you could prove to me that it was worth your fucking while to make a product placement on the dark teen Archie show. Oh, I, I would not put it past them to have a partnership with the CW wherein they have lines of paint colors specifically uh, set up or picked out from their existing paint colors to coordinate with certain shows. Would not surprise me in the slightest that would sell. That would be a great marketing campaign for paint. So when are we going to start painting things Riverdale colors, Dana? Fucking never. Our walls are black. (laughs) All right. So we start off in the Jabatha apartment. And what we come to find out is that Jughead can read minds, but he hasn't told anybody. So because he can hear people's minds, he can hear them forming the sentences. So he's just pretending that he can hear them. I don't love this. I it's not the best, but I can but it makes sense. He's so freaked out about the the hearing loss and then for it to go from hearing loss to reading people's minds. What the hell is this? What's going on? And so I understand like just not knowing what to do with that information and also as an investigative journalist being able to hear people's thoughts is like winning the lottery (laughs) so yeah it makes total sense that Jughead would not tell anyone do I love it no but does it make sense yes well it's it's like winning the lottery except that you can't spend anything on that lottery because you would have to prove it to not expose the fact that you can read minds well there's that but Jughead being Jughead, especially in previous seasons, if he had had that power, it would have just led him to focus on his the suspects of the crazy crimes so they could catch the proof. Yeah. Like, that's what it leads you to. 
Because it doesn't matter if someone looks super innocent, but if their head they're going, I did it, I did it, I did it. Eventually, you'll find the proof that someone did it. So <laughs> it's very cool. But they are talking about an article that Jughead published in the Riverdale Choice, which is the newspaper that he runs. And it is going after the town. It is calling Riverdale the worst town in America. And as Jughead's narration is talking about like what they're talking about, like going after the casino, calling it illegal, claiming it'd be a gateway to crime, drug use, and violence. It also condemned the street gangs, talks about the town's long history of intolerance and uh, how everything was overtaxed and ineffectual law enforcement. So like as he's talking about these things, we see Alice and Frank. We see Veronica and Reggie. We see Tony and Fangs. Like, they're all super annoyed. When he makes the line about the backwards thinking and intolerance, we see Cheryl, and she's actually smiling about that. Well, this is Abigail. This is Abigail. Whatever. It's Shabigail. It's important in this episode. She's reading it. She's happy. She likes hearing about this. And then well, of course we, she does. we see Tom and Kevin. Kevin's in his deputy uniform. They're at Pops. And it's just everyone's like not feeling good about this. And then Pop sees Percival's like, are you happy uh, to have moved to Riverdale? And he's just like, I'm as happy as a clam. But the thing about this article is that it was done anonymously. Yes. So Jughead just like, okay, who would take the brunt of the blowback? Um, and then he's at school, he's in the teacher's lounge, and he can hear Archie in his head. I can't believe Jug would do this. Jughead says to himself, here we go. And he, <laughs> he then he hears Archie say backstabber and then say, dude, what is this? We're like, he is pissed, pissed. And uh. so I I love this game that we have we're hearing what people are thinking and then what they're actually saying and jughead is getting both of it so that's interesting and and who's in better control versus who isn't sure is also very interesting it becomes a big plot point later down in the episode but Mm -hmm. like even from the very first scene tabitha has a lot better wrap around her emotions and and, you know, we only really hear what she's saying versus Archie, who's like all thoughts in his brain before he talks. No, we hear what Tabitha's thinking. But what this is showing us is that she says what she thinks. Yeah. And Archie, we assume Archie is just punchy, punchy, punchy. And that remains true. Like, that's what is revealed from this conversation. And, you know, like. Jughead just asks him, what are you going to do? You know, beat him up to which Archie thinks and it says, yeah, <laughs> in his head. <laughs> You're freaking right. And then then he says, like, of course not. Like Archie's first impulse is to beat people up. Of course it is. Which is great. Is Archie. What I also want to point out here, because again, it comes back later, is that there's a very particular sound effect that they are using when we are listening to someone's thoughts versus what they are saying. I didn't notice it completely on first watch, but it gives away the thing that happens later with Percival. So very cool. Archie lets Jughead know that uh, he's talked to Frank and Alice. They're having a town meeting so that everyone can respond to this garbage in person and you better be there covering. it. 
So yeah. He throws the paper in the trash. Yeah. He's so mad. He's so mad. How dare you talk bad about my turn? <sighs> it's a it's a neat trick. I think what it is is I wish it wasn't framed around his loss of hearing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. I don't know what else you would do, but I feel like framing it around that hurts the effect because it just makes you wince every time you see it. You're like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. They, you could have figured out a different way to deal with these powers for everybody, I feel like, but uh, I, I don't know. Again, they make sense for the people. Yeah. They are tied directly to the people. If Archie got the I can read minds, he'd just be going around beating up anyone who says they're going to do something bad. Yeah. I, I don't hate their powers. I hate the framing. I mean, we were never going to like the framing of it. I mean, it's from an explosion. So whatever. Yeah. We head over to Thornhill and Britta goes to the stable where Rose is being <laughs> held. And Rose looks a little haggard. And... Britta explains that Cheryl is still there and she's in she's trapped in like she saw her in the mirror. And I like that we get a really quick explanation from Nana Rose. She's just like, well, if she's here, she's imprisoned in a mental jail, <laughs> which, OK, Roseanne Blossom, <laughs> Roseanne Blossom has become the most ridiculously fun plot character. Yes. Like, she is Expo Rose, but in the yeah. most fun way. They're having fun with the exposition what, with using Nana Rose, which I'm all for. Well, and she, I, part of it is she's just such a great actress. Oh, she's fabulous. In this character. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is just like, they. she just switches allegiances on a dime. Mm-hmm. On a fucking dime. And it's just funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. But she lets her know that when Abigail was inhabiting Britta's body, we were still able to talk to Britta because Abigail was basically put to sleep. So you kind of got to go find Cheryl by talking to her in her in a dreamscape. So Britta's like, I'll poison her tea. And (laughs) which is like, cool. Yeah, because that's what we do. Blossoms poison people. That's just a very established fact in this show. And. Nana Rose just warns her, like, hey, you got to wake up before Abigail does or you're going to get her wrath. All right, cool. So we go over to Abigail and we realize that we've switched into a dream. Like we go like through the mirror, basically, and we see Penelope, who is made up to look like Joan Crawford, a la Mommy Dearest. Oh, my God. Did you not know that? Did you not get no, that? No, no, I knew. And... She's talking to Jason and Cheryl, which Trevor's there. Trevor gets to talk. (laughs) Like he said, I think two lines this episode, which is more than what he got in episode 100. Oh, boy. At this point, it's a huge joke and I kind of love it. (laughs) But uh, Penelope's telling that she's going to throw a birthday party for them. And she's invited all their friends to which Cheryl says, including Heather, no, not that two-bit trollop, but everybody else. Now, a fun little note is that Cheryl is dressed in almost exactly the uh, Heather Heather Chandler red plaid from the Heather's episode. (laughs) So this is a lovely little, like, if you don't realize it, it's totally fine. 
but realizing her saying Heather and Heather's was red. It's fun. I love it. I'm very into it. So they're just like, you're very welcome, my precious little angels. And they're both just like, thank thank you, mumsies. It's absurd. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, God. The fact that it took them 103 episodes to get here. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with the restraint, to be honest. I'm not. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, (laughs) But we pull out from this and we realize that this is the mirror form of Cheryl. Like, this is what Cheryl's going through. So, yeah. Yeah. No fun. We head on over to the town hall and Jughead's like perched up behind everybody. And so he's listening to everybody at the town hall. And, you know, you've got people thinking, you know, who wrote the article? Probably Alice. This town is going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe I should move. So, like, people, like, he's listening to what people's reactions are. And so, basically, Alice is being a pain in the ass. She's saying that the casino is a problem. She's making a lot of digs at uh, Veronica. And Veronica is trying to be like, you know, like, we have the potential to bring in out-of-towners and guests who spend fresh cash across all of our businesses, but Alice isn't having it. She has really got it out for for them. <sighs> and so, like, we're hearing other people say, like, you know, when does a lodge do anything good for this town? What does this mean? And Archie's just out for blood. He wants to know who wrote the article, and it's Pickens. And Pickens is just like, hey, we got to do something about this. You know, um, I didn't put my name on it because I didn't want you to judge me against my ancestors, to which at this point, Tony chimes and goes, oh, the genocide against my ancestors. Yeah, that's points against you. (laughs) Archie makes a comment about him being a Johnny come lately, which I was just like, those words have never been spoken in Archie's presence. Therefore, they should never come out of his mouth. On the other <laughs> hand, it's such an Archie thing to say. Absolutely. And like this, instead of saying this fucker, this Johnny come lately. <laughs> I, I want to know if KJ says these corny ass lines with the intent of him saying just absolute fucking ridiculous curse words but what i really love is that when archie stands up and says this kevin just puts his hand on the shoulder and forces archie back down it is so funny well that that's when that's when he's like are you open to hearing my suggestions i'm open to take this outside right now bro I, I love it so much because they don't focus on it. You just see it happen briefly. And I was like, oh, my God, this is my favorite thing. Like, I love Kevin. Kevin is the best reactionary to anything. You want a reaction? Put Kevin in a scene. Especially when it's when it's just like, Archie, calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. So then Percival brings up the homeless encampment. And he believes that they we should just bust them out. Get them out of here. And we hear people thinking thoughts like, <laughs> like, he's right. I agree. The homeless are a problem. It's about time someone said it. And some people argue, but particularly Archie, like, we can't just do that. Like, it's not who we are. We take care of our own. To which Percival's like, okay, you heard my plan. What's yours? And then we hear from Jughead. And thus began the battle for Riverdale's soul. Riverdale. Yeah. So, yeah. I just got done listening to an episode of a wonderful podcast called Citations Needed. It's mm-hmm. a 
it's a great like left look at news media and, and how it does things wrong. And they talked about news stories about homeless groups, homeless settlements, tent settlements, mm-hmm. and how they've had to reframe everything for a liberal audience. And man, I got to tell you, somehow these writers channeled that perfectly. Mm-hmm. There was one thing in LA the other day where they had a group of people who were in a film or a television show doing a homeless protest. Mm-hmm. And in order to do the protest, they shoved the people in the tents off the property so they could film this scene. Mm-hmm. And it just, the the absolute irony of what's going on in the unhoused community. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed. I was like, Yes, it is over the top, but honestly, that's the villainousness of what these developers do. Oh, it it is. I mean, we could probably spend our whole podcast just talking about this issue as a whole. Yeah. But I mean, there's no one easy solution. There are people who genuinely want to help, but they don't want to be made uncomfortable by being around somebody who has little to nothing. So it's just it's a very multi-pronged issue that is just is just isn't going away anytime soon. I hope to see it go away in my lifetime, but that's going to take a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I, I think to me, what was most impressive was like Percival's talking points are the actual talking points of the developers and the people sure. who shove these people out. Sure, And I think that's what was so like. Oh wow! Yeah. Y'all really actually went for that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there it's it's a dumb teen soap opera. Like it's not going to be perfect on mm-hmm. an issue like this. Yeah, but I think what they nailed was this character, and it really helps because it just makes him a pure villain. He's not sympathetic. He doesn't have these weird motivations. He's just a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah, and it works. Yeah, no, it does. I like that there's not an attempt currently to make like to make us sympathize with Percival. It's just let's just take care of this problem by shoving it somewhere else. We go over to Thornhill and Abigail has come home and Britta's just asking, you know, how was it? And Abigail's like, oh, it was del- delightsome. <laughs> um, also a bit of gossip. Twas Percival Pickens who wrote that screed against the town of Riverdale. And she thinks he may prove an ally, but first she's got to get acquainted with the history of Riverdale and the role the Pickens family played in its shaping. So, like, she's like, I think I saw a book. And Britta's like, oh, I'll get it for you. And I just brewed some tea. So why don't you retire to your room and I'll bring it up to you? Okay, Britta's enacting her plan. (laughs) Great. I didn't think shit, the lines could be any more extra than what Cheryl already said. But then they threw Abigail in. You're like, holy fuck. She's just a different level. And it's interesting. Like, it's not more. It's just different. While still being fun. It's giving them an excuse to use more obscure words. Sure. And I'm because she's from like 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but delightsome. What? Delightsome. <laughs> We head on over to Archie's house and Jughead shows up. And when Archie opens the door, Jughead says, don't punch me. Jug was so funny this episode. He really was. Uh, Archie's like, I should, you know. And so Jughead, like, I really like this. He's just like, look, Archie, I'm a journalist and I'm supposed to be impartial. But I heard what you said. 
And for what it's worth, I agree with you. I think blessing the in-house out of Riverdale is not a solution. I know those people. And at times I was one of them and they've always helped me when I was in trouble. And we get a little flashback of him and Doc. Yeah. So he's just like, they're good people. They need our resources. And Archie's like, well, you could have said that in the meeting, which is fair. But Jughead says, okay, I will the next time once you present your big idea, which Archie does not have one. But Jughead has done his homework. Like he does. Like he does. And it's like, I did some research. Other cities, they're doing micro homes. They're like cabins. They have a shower, a toilet, and a bed. What if we did that? Build one of these homes for every unhoused person living in a cardboard box or a tent on the alley. And so Archie's like, what, me? Well, you're the only one I know with a construction business. (laughs) And so Archie's like, okay, let's do this. Let's try. Which, great. This is great. This is a fabulous idea. Many cities are trying this. It's great. Cool. They're making an actual effort. Like They're doing something instead of the actual nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, We come back to Thornhill and Cheryl has been drugged. So Britta sets her alarm on her phone. And go lays down to go to sleep. And so we enter the dreamscape and we are at the birthday party. And Britta comes in and starts talking to Penelope. And she's like, Where, where's Cheryl Blossom? And Penelope's like, Who the hell are you? I'm a friend of her. Is Cheryl not here? <laughs> well, she's over there. And we realize that Cheryl's in the corner facing the wall because <laughs> she's being punished for being a selfish, ungrateful brat. Which I okay, I kind of love this. Okay, let, let me get through it here for a second. So Britta asks, but isn't it her birthday too? Penelope says, No, not this year, not the way she's been she's behaving. Well, will she get her presents at least? Absolutely not. Now, who did you say you were? Because then her alarm starts beeping, and so Britta wakes up before Abigail. Also, everyone stares at Britta. Yeah, everyone stares at Britta, including Jason. Full-grown Jason. Creepy. <laughs> which, oh, they always make him look very creepy. That too. That, that it's a bunch of little kids. Little and kids. Full-grown Trevor, <laughs> Trevor and full-grown Madeline. That's great. No, that is great. Like, this is amazing. What I love about this is this is a way they are retconning the age differences between the twins. <laughs> people have been asking this question since season one i'm so confused if jason and polly are in the same grade because they had a, they had babies but polly is older than betty and betty's in the same grade as cheryl but cheryl and jason are supposed to be twins like what does that happen well if penelope got so mad at she, like in this world, it makes 100% sense that Penelope would be so mad at Cheryl that she would tell her she didn't get to age up and she would have held her back. That <laughs> 100% makes sense. That is a thing a Blossom would do. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if that's what they were actually thinking, but in my brain, that's what they just did. Okay, this is how we're going to explain how they were never in the same grade because we fucked that up. There's also just the subtext of you know, she's acting selfish and being a brat. And so she's in the corner. Mm. I I think it's also that way of Cheryl's now having to face these inner demons for, for the first time. And she's got to conquer them before she can come back. Well, there's that too. Like she has severe trauma in her life. So this was probably like, this could very well not been the exact scenario, but this is essentially what happened. Mom got mad at me. So she took away my birthday. Yeah. Like, that could have been the actual events, which 
still is horrible and tracks for a blossom. So, yeah, it's awful, but I love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dumb television show. We're allowed to enjoy it. <laughs> yes, but we take it very seriously. We go over to the casino and we see the Hiram painting that's like had the paper wrapping torn. And Cheryl's just like, we got to be legit. And Reggie's like, okay, but it's really expensive to be legit. <laughs> and Veronica's like, well, we're just going to do it. And we're going to replace the painting of her with the painting of Hiram as a reminder of who we're not going to be like, which is just like, yeah, right. Whatever, bitch. I do love the way he turns that where she's just like, so it's impossible. No, it's just really expensive. Really expensive. I love Reggie in this episode because he's like, <laughs> he's game, but he's also like, I want to do scams. <laughs> like, I love it. It's so funny. He's been so dour Reggie for the past little yeah. while. I'm glad to see like Playful. silly, goofy Reggie back uh, just a little bit. I'm like, please more, please more. I love hustle Reggie. Yes. Hustle Reggie is great. I remember when he when he wanted to do his own tickle ring, he was a hustler, man. I am here for it. Like, I I like Hustle Reggie. He's not just a himbo. It's just like, no, I got to get paid. Yeah. Well, and he's he's clearly he's making a comeback here. He's totally gonna come back. It's just it was like, oh yeah, yeah. I forgot how great this is. Charles Melton, you magnificent bastard. Yep. So we head on over to the Cooper house. And there's more tea. And Alice is talking Percival. And she's like, oh, you know, I agree with your saying, Mr. Pickens. Oh, call me Percival. Um, and she's like, I, I don't want to come down on either side of the issue until Archie has had his chance to present his solutions. And Percival is like, of course not, Alice. May I call you Alice? Yes, thank you. I just assumed you would have made a personal stake in uh, making Riverdale safer given what happened to your daughter, Polly. Which is the which is the true argument? <laughs> I mean, it's quite manipulative, but he's not wrong. Again, the mechanics of how he operates. Wh what's sloppy about this episode is like the mechanics of the superhero stuff involved. And again, they haven't gotten to that point in the story yet. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we are going to get there. But goddamn, is he a good villain? Mm -hmm. Like they wrote a really solid good villain. <laughs> Because everything about him is just, it's very reasonable. It's also twisting the knife so hard. So the reason I, I, I point out the T, because I feel like there's going to be a theme of consumables whenever Percival goes to talk to people that he's convincing. So here we have T, which also mirrors the fact that Britta is poisoning. Drugging. Ab drugging, drugging Abigail. It definitely calls back to that. So it's just something we'll keep an eye on here. We go back to the town council and now Veronica and Reggie are giving their presentation for wanting to be legit. And they basically want to be the new Atlantic City instead of a town and the casino being at odds with each other. Let's work together to rebrand as a family friendly destination hotspot. And Alice is just like, what? So now children can gamble. And Veronica's like, no, we would open arcade, provide daycare, which are, you know, not not bad ideas. And Frank speaks up and says, you know, here's my problem with the casino. Riverdale has a lot of broken people, including veterans like myself and Archie. And the casino just isn't a healthy environment for people like that. Yes. Which is not unfair. And Veronica's response is, you raise a valid point, Frank. Let's have that dialogue. And Alice shuts it down. Not today. 
we have your proposal, Veronica. We will look at it and get back to you. In the meantime, if we catch one whiff of any trouble coming from your casino, then any partnership would be immediately untenable. And Veronica's like, great. And so I was like, all right, thank you, Team Babylonium. So like, she's just like, fuck no. Like, there's just no, no option. No options for you. Mm-hmm. So Archie, it's his turn. And he's got blueprints. And he's like, okay, these spaces are eight feet wide and house one to two people and they can be locked, which helps give the occupants a sense of ownership and security. And all of the label will be provided free of charge by Andrew's construction. And Tony and Tabitha are like, this is a strong, simple and smart idea. And they talk about how they have many houses in Chicago and they're game changing and Frank is all in on it. And Archie says, I want to do about 30 houses. Which Alice, well, how much does this cost? Well, the labor will be free, but with materials, I'm thinking around 20, 25,000 for each house. No, Riverdale can't afford this. We'd have to raise taxes. And then we get into what people are thinking from Jughead. More taxes, no way. We can barely afford our mortgage. Just make the problem go away. I agree with that British dude. Mm-hmm. And then Percival gets up and it's like, I feel it's my civic duty to point out that my straightforward proposal would cost the people of Riverdale virtually nothing and could be carried out immediately. And so Tabitha and Tony are both like, we like the vision, at least most of us do, and we just need to figure out a way to fund it. And if you could show us a proof of concept, that would be super helpful. And Archie's like, yeah, I appreciate your time. Like, And that's the appropriate way to respond to that pushback is like, okay, show us proof of concept. And then we got to figure out how to pay for it. Like, that's fair. Those are all fair things. Also, six hundred to $750,000 from a city like Riverdale is a lot. It like, is a lot. Alice's point is not wrong. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's so much money. <laughs> Nobody's arguments are wrong. The only thing that is wrong in this conversation is just that the blatant pushing for busing people away yeah like that's the only thing that's just wrong and again it's that thing of what they do is is they hammer down on on these these specific concepts Mm -hmm. you know they won't outright say well you know these people just need to be shoved away and and tucked Mm -hmm. away in a corner because nobody wants to go along with that but if you say well there's crime and there's issues with drugs and there's these things when all of that is I mean, when you actually go look at it, is often not true. Mm-hmm. But they manipulate that, and that's what gets people to be like, "I just don't want to deal with it." Yeah, because they think it's far more work than it really is. Which most of the time, it's just give people a place where they can organize their own space and stay. Well, here comes the next argument, which is just based on complete lies. We cut to Archie in his office because they're having these town halls at the El Royale with Percival. And Archie's trying to like relate to him. He's like, you know, so you're from England. He's like, yeah, uh, some of the Pickens family came to the States to settle in the colonies. Others stayed behind in the old country. Hmm. Archie's like, so is that where you were before you came to Riverdale? Oh, no, I was traveling here and there. Nowhere with the potential of this place, though. And... He feels that this place could become the next Marsha's vineyard, which again, I love. I love the. <laughs> yeah, it's just absurd. And so Archie's like, look, we both want the same thing, a better, safer Riverdale. And can't we align on this idea about the houses? And he's just like, no, 
Because if you don't mind my saying, your thinking is fundamentally flawed. And I'll tell you why. One, people of Sketch Alley don't want your help. All they want are handouts. And if you try to lift them up, all they'll do is bring you and your property values down. And number two, at the risk of disillusioning you further, your neighbors don't want them here. They'll say they're good, liberal people, but in their heart of hearts, what they really want is for the poor, the destitute, and the smelly to go away without compromising their own comfort. Nothing that came out of that man's mouth is untrue. No. That is 100% the reason why funding for projects like this doesn't happen. Yeah. It's why you don't have, like, people aren't as inclined to work with the homeless because it makes them uncomfortable. And when it comes to any issue like this, the mountain for you to climb as an advocate Mm -hmm. or an activist is a tiny little pebble compared to what it takes somebody like Percival Mm -hmm. to just throw you down. Yeah. All he has to do is just barely mention Mm -hmm. the cost or like he can deflect in so many different ways and it's going to turn so many people off. Sure. It takes a huge collective effort for everyone to be like to say this. And I think that's what I thought was so good because Archie, you know, Archie's just like, well, you're wrong. And I'm like, oh, he's not. He's He's not not at all. And that's where art. Here's the thing is they're both wrong because Percival is cynical. Oh, yeah. He's he's just looking at his bank account. Archie is also wrong. He's only seeing the good. He's not being honest about the bad, which is part of why we love Archie. He's, you know, an eternal optimist. He's always, you know, our superhero guy. Like even before he had powers, that's who he was. But that's that's why they're both like in trouble in the situation. He sees he sees the good in the town, but he has no clue what's going on with the people. Well, he he cannot see where we're at. He's only looking at where he wants to go. And by not acknowledging like the reality of where you at and what you're facing, you cannot make progress. Yeah. If you if you want to understand the the mind of the the sort of build up and sell properties and invest in shit. Mm-hmm. Percival Pickens is the absolute ideal person for this. Yep. Such a good character study. Yeah. No, this they... is how this is how those people think. Yep. So we go over to Pops and it's Archie, Tabitha, and Tony. And they're like, okay, you called this meeting, Archie. What do you want? Archie's like, you're both on the council, but I'm here appealing to you as two of the most prominent business owners in Riverdale. I need your personal help. So liberals like, sure. Would each of you be willing to underwrite one of the houses? After I finished building them, we could paint them one like Pops and one like the White Worm. And that way they'd be like billboards. And like they're both like, okay, this is cool. And Tony's like, are you sure you don't mind that I'm a quote unquote gang member? <laughs> and Archie's like, oh, come on, not at all. And I was like, okay, where are you going to build them? Where are you going to set them up? And so Archie says, I would like to set them up in the parking lot. That way the folks living in them could feel like more a part of the town's daily life. And like both Tabitha and Tony are like, yes, we're in. And Archie says, actually, for where we're building them, I was thinking we could do that in Sketch Alley. All of this is great ideas. Yeah. Like this, this is great. Like that's a great way to like build community, like incorporate people. Like it's just great. So we go over to Sketch Alley and Archie and all of, you know, his crew people along with Frank and Jughead and Kevin are like, 
are, are there and Jughead goes, hey, Doc, how, how are you? How have you been? He's like, I'm surviving, you know, and uh, you look a lot better than the last time I saw you. And Jughead's like, well, that's thanks to you. And that's the reason we're here. I wanted to repay the favor. Um, if you're cool with it, this is my pal, Archie, and the rest of us want to build some houses for you guys. And Archie's now part of the conversation. Like, yeah, one for each of you. And Doc's like, houses? Like, they're small, but they're swanky. If you guys want to help out, that's great. But if not, we just wanted to let you know what we're up to. But we're good either way. And Doc just looks like, when do we start? And like, let's go now. Doc's like, yeah, let's go. Which this part proves the fact that where Percival's wrong is that people just want to hand out. Yeah. However, Doc, at the end of this, lingers and looks concerned. Well, because of how people will treat the homeless there's a lot of poverty tourism yeah it's fair to be like where's the angle what is in it for you are you literally like it's hard to just trust that somebody's doing something so big and so generous without expecting something in return it's that it's also when in the timeline did percival talk to him i believe it would have come after this Mm, okay. okay because percival would not i mean that's a whole different conversation but I don't believe Percival knew anything about the powers per se, but he knew he only later came to find out that Doc was an influential person in Sketch Alley. So he was the domino that he needed to have fall. And for one Jughead Joe. Exactly. So I believe that takes place after this. Okay. Well, who knows? So we go back to the casino and Reggie's done some math. Because <laughs> uh, he's good at math. He's good with all of this, which I, again, I love that they have established. Like, he's good with all of this shit. Throws the uh, books on the table. He's just like, it's impossible for us to turn a profit. Like, maybe if ever, unless don't say it. We start running scams, which we do. <laughs> so, like, they're kind of like arguing, and Reggie's just kind of being like a kid whose ball's been taken away from him. There's nothing. One of these scams. And so. <laughs> There's a knock on the door and gentleman comes in. It's like, um, y'all need to go to the private gambling room. Like, what? Is this something bad? Yeah. So they go in and okay. Major content warning. See fucking W. Woo. <laughs> There's a dude who has hung himself in the middle of the room. Well, okay then. Yeah. I am, <gasps> it's a lot. On the other hand, I appreciate the almost weekend at Bernie's slash near the end of Pulp Fiction Winston Wolf of this. Oh, sure. Reggie, what should we do? Cut him down? Call it ambulance? That's what a legit business would do, right? My favorite. I love him so um, much. Like, again, Reggie is an amazing reactor, second only to Kevin. Like, only. Because Kevin, it's a lot of face, and Reggie, it's a lot of words. And it's... So precious. I love it so much. That's what a legit place would do, right? <laughs> uh, and so Veronica's like, yes, but we don't have that luxury, Reggie. So she's like, okay, um, that would confirm Alice's worst fear. Yep. So I'm going to call Abuelita's Iceman. <laughs> cool. Like they're bringing Araldo back, which she's totally going to sleep with him. This is just a fact. I know. So we cut to another Cheryl dreamscape. Back to Mumsy Dearest. Mumsy Dearest. So this time Cheryl and Jason are asleep in their twin beds in their room. 
which I also want to point out that the creepy doll Julian is also in the room. Oh, God. <laughs> They're just bringing back all the hits. I'm here for this. Like, if you're going to make it weird, make it weird. Like, this is where we make it weird in the dreamscape. And Britta's there. And she's like, Cheryl, got to wake up. And she does wake up. She goes, what is it, Britannia? And then Penelope comes in. And she's like, wake up. Time to shine. Time to get out of bed, you lazy bones. And Cheryl's like, you've got to hide or, you know, we don't know what she'll do. So Britta hides under the bed. And Mumsy is now being very cruel. It's like, wake up, devil children. Mumsy, what's going on? It's the middle of the night. Doesn't matter. This whole place is a sty. Now grab that bucket and a brush and get to work, piggies. Yes, dearest Mumsy. And so like Cheryl can see Britta under the bed. And so like, why aren't you scrubbing? Get back to work. I'll get the hanger to you. Don't make me hurt you. Oh, my God. And that, which I mean, it's just, it's pure Joan Crawford, Mommy Dearest. It's amazing. <laughs> and so then Britta wakes up. Oh, my God. This is horrible. Cool. Yeah. It's not good. Nope. Cut to Kevin working in Sketch Alley. You know, he's doing, he's doing some measuring. Or, I don't know. He's messing with some wood. And Doc comes <laughs> up to him and he's not talking and he looks a little out of sorts. And Kevin's like, hey, it's it's Doc, right? Do you need something? And Doc hammers him to the head. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, cut to Alice and R.I.V.W. Talking about how horrible it is. A vicious attack. Clear indication that these people don't want our help. You offer them a helping hand and they respond with violence. Yeah. So That's how they frame it. That's how they frame it every absolutely. time. Absolutely. And so, we pull out from the tv and we can see that we're watching it at pops and tabitha archie and tony and they ask you know how is kevin doing it's like i just came from the hospital he's gonna be okay this is a mess believe me i know and they're just kind of like dang you know the houses are gonna be painted with our businesses on them if they're associated with violence and crime and archie's just like i know and they're like it's just like all the things against them and so, like, Tony's just kind of like, you can see her thought process. She's like, you still have my financial support, but maybe just hold off before you paint it to match the white worm. And and Archie's like, yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for the support. So, like, Tony's trying to protect Archie's thing. Like, she's just like, look, I don't look great right now. And my business doesn't look great right now. And that you don't need that as another strike against your project. But you still have my support. Okay, great. And she's like, cool. I'll get it to you on Chime right now which is you know again love which this is i think the second time they've they've mentioned chime in show at least chime makes sense that one makes sense to me yeah and so archie just kind of looks at tab and she's like what about you and she goes i'm still in paint job and all so when do you want to set up the first house i'll bring it by my truck later today so yeah like Yay. you know it makes sense like all the pieces are moving appropriately so i go to the casino and Veronica and Reggie are talking. And so Reggie has been doing some digging. He's like, this guy should have been on a major losing streak. And that's why he offed himself. And Veronica's like, yeah, that makes sense. But no, he was winning big time. So I called the blackjack dealer and pulled the security footage. And so like Reggie's showing her, you know, the footage. It's like, he was on top of the world. He was almost up a grand. 20 grand. So why would a guy who's winning every hand suddenly just off himself? And so Veronica's watching this and she goes, wait, who the hell is that? It's that British creep from town hall. 
And you can see that he is talking to the gentleman. Whispering into his ear. Now, again, I want to point out, this guy has a drink next to him. I don't know. Right. I don't so, know. like, there, there's a drink next to him. Alice had tea. So, cool. Interesting thing to consider. So, then, Geraldo shows up, and he's like, where's the body? And Reggie's like, geez, cut to the chase much? Yes, Reggie. When you have a dead body in your casino, you cut to the chase. You cut to the chase, man. So, Veronica's going to take Geraldo to the body. <laughs> We cut on over to the stables, and Britta has questions for Miss Rose. It's gotten so much worse. Mr. Cheryl's mother is torturing her in every way imaginable. Well, Penelope was always Cheryl's tormentor, so of course Abigail would have conjured her as my granddaughter's adversary in the dreamscape. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, I love how matter-of-fact Rose is like, well, of course this is what's happening. The, the fact that they haven't hedged on any of it and just mm-hmm. been like, all right, Roseanne. <laughs> explain everything yeah and so like you you've got to like get her out of this otherwise abigail may take permanent possession of my granddaughter's body last episode she was all gung-ho on abigail (laughs) one episode ago well as we've known for a while nana rose has dementia this woman has no allegiances and i love it no that's fair So, like, she just says, like, you got to figure out a better way to communicate with her. All right, Britta. Britta's got a task. (laughs) So we cut on over to the hospital, and Percival is there to visit Kevin and Tom. And in his hand is a box of what I assume is chocolates. Mm. So another consumable. It's not a liquid, but it's, I assume it's food. Because what else would you bring to the hospital? He's there to talk about what happened in Sketch Alley. In hopes it never happens again. Okie dokie. That doesn't sound great. No. So we go outside of Pops and the houses are there. And this is where we get our sponsor plug. Uh, And bonus, Benjamin Moore donated the paint for future houses too. And they're all like, oh, we think this is great, Archie. Like the two houses are very cute. It's still the weirdest fucking promo i've ever seen it is not weird at all yes it is it is bizarre that this show the weird teen cult murder serial killer witch show put fucking paint company it's really it's really it honestly it's actually pretty smart i don't know man again show me Show you me do, how well this did for you, Benjamin Moore. You do not follow the interior design world of influencers and all that shit. I do very heavily on Instagram. Oh, God. Like, it's like Benjamin Moore is like the person's paint that people use. And I don't get it. I think their paint is garbage. I am a bear person. That is the only reason I go to Home Depot is to get bear paint. They have the best fucking paint. It's fact. <laughs> But people get paint matched to Benjamin Moore colors all the fucking time. It is a thing. <sighs> yeah, I don't get it. So we go to back to the casino and Araldo is zipping up a body bag and Veronica's like, well, what do you do? And it's like, oh, after dark, I'll put him in a car, drive it to Jersey, hang him up in a bathroom at a rest stop with no cameras, and then I'll call it in. Like, he's <laughs> so matter of fact. How's it going otherwise? He's fucking Winston Wolf. I fucking love it. No, he's, he's Mike Harvey- Trout almost. <laughs> I, 
But he's way he's so Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. Just like, all right, yeah. where's the body? Let me take care of it. <laughs> oh yeah, or like that guy from John Wick who does the yeah. cleanup. It's great. He's just like, this is my job. Cool. But Veronica's like, okay, business isn't great. And Geraldo's like, well, I know some wise guys. Like, they got money. They like spending <laughs> it. And Veronica's like, yeah, but we're trying to avoid that. He's like, okay, cool. I just want to help. And so she's like, hey, can you look into personal pickings? Sure. So he's going to do that. I, the way Geraldo is just like, I'm a badass. And then when he starts talking, he's like, mm-hmm. I love, I love the little twist around of like, clearly he is also just awkward and kind of a dork. Even though he is also a man who can make a body disappear. You should be scared of him. Oh, Geraldo. <laughs> Archie gets a phone call. What? I'm on my way. And then the houses have been vandalized. They say, we don't want you here. Trash. Like, very hurtful things. Yep. And Archie gets so mad that he punches his car. And the car moves. Yeah. He leaves a pretty good-sized dent in there. Well, I forgot to mention that previously... Archie uh, squeezed his thermos, which is like clearly like a Stanley metal thermos and like left fingerprints in it, like because he was mad. So like his strength almost appears to be getting stronger. I mean, he's he's got super strength. Like he's the Hulk. But he can't control it. No. So we go over to the jail and Jughead is like, why did you do that to Kevin? Like, oh. I have no idea. I have absolutely no memory of attacking your friend. Well, Poor you did. Doc. Yeah. And he's like, well, woman, I'm hammering. And the next minute, I'm just standing over your friend, getting ready to take another swipe. And he's like, you got to believe me, Jughead. It was. And then this is we hear him thinking it was like someone put it in my head to which Jughead goes, who? Who would have done that? And Doc is taken aback. He's like, he had an accent, might have had a British accent. He thinks he had an accent and then said might have had a British accent, which is just like. Well, because here's the other thing. If he put it in his head, he might be using a different voice. Possibly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we go over to the Blue and Gold office and Percival is there. And uh, and Blue and Gold office is a Riverdale choice office, whatever. It's at the school. (laughs) I'm just used to always calling it the Blue and Gold. So that's what it is. Jughead's thanking Percival to agree to meet him. He's like, I just want to do a follow up article on the one you wrote. Something like a rebuttal. And uh, Percival's like, well, change his own. And I've been thinking of a quote I read. The true measure of any society can be found in how it treats the most vulnerable. Well, whoever said that obviously didn't grow up in Riverdale. To which Jughead's like, it's Gandhi. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's calling him. Like, Percival's trying to blow him off. And it's like, it's Gandhi, you jackass. It's also just so telling of how little a moral compass Percival has. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this will also play into the lore of like Percival probably goes back to Augustus or even earlier with the Pickens and therefore may not even know who Gandhi is. Yep. So this is when they've done some very clever editing here and they're using that sound trick again because instead of us watching Percival talk, we're watching Jughead look down at his notebook and write it instead of looking at him. Because I don't believe Percival said any of this. Ooh, interesting. But we do see his mouth move. We do see his mouth move because he starts talking. I think that's what's key is he starts the talking and then it goes into what's in his head because he stopped talking because he's realized. We d- I don't know how yet because they haven't, they haven't signaled how he could have known that unless he too 
can read minds um that jughead is reading minds like he's figured that out he's known that when he walked into this room i need to i need to go watch that scene again so i believe he starts with my main concern for that and that's when the echoing starts the law-abiding citizens of riverdale those who pay their taxes and contribute to the betterment of our society now i've been to several sketch alleys in my time the truth is charity is doing them a disservice as is giving them a handout when what they really should be doing is spending for themselves. Tell me, are you having fun rooting around my brain, Mr. Jones? That's when we pan back to him and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> then we realize that he hasn't been talking. So I believe all of that was in his head because he figured he realized what Jughead's doing to which Jughead freaks out. What? Get out of my head, you piece of garbage. Are you? All-? And then he starts talking because we can see him talking. Are you all right, Mr. Jones? Did I not answer the question to your satisfaction? <laughs> yeah oh boy so we go go back to the dreamscape and cheryl is crying and her hair has been cut oh god and she's like what happened oh mumsy did it because she saw me with my friend heather oh also something that needs to be pointed out cheryl is wearing the julian outfit oh lots of fun weird in references this whole thing for her yep None of it really meaning anything other than just let's fuck around with all the Cheryl shit. I have a theory. Oh, God. I do have a theory. We'll get it to it at the end. Britta's there. She's trying to, like, wake her up. She gives her a note, but, like, she, she she's trying to give her a note, but she doesn't but she doesn't take it. And then Penelope shows up and is like, oh, no, I get rid of, you know, one girl and you're back with a new sapphic slut, you know, <laughs> like, which is, you know, like, ugh, Penelope, geez. And so... She grabs Britta and Britta drops the note that she's written for Cheryl. And so Cheryl picks it up and she starts reading it. And it's, we hear Britta's voice. This is the world you're currently inhabiting is not reality, but rather a hellish dreamscape from which we must free you. Your physical body is currently possessed by the spirit of Abigail Blossom. And she's trapped you in a prison in your own mind. And so like, it's more like, like she's a ghost, a creation of the imagination. You can defeat her. And so as this is happening, as we're hearing this narration, we see Penelope raging in the house. She's throwing stuff off a table. She's opening doors. She goes to her closet and throws clothes down and grabs a hanger. And then we see her walking towards, I guess, the, one of the living rooms, a room that has the big fireplace that Cheryl's always sitting in front of. And she's walking towards that room. And as the camera pans around from Penelope to the fireplace, we see Cheryl, Cheryl proper in her Cheryl clothing and her Cheryl look. And Penelope is like, why are you looking at me like that? You shameless little wretch, because I know the truth now, Mumsy, you're not real. Is that a fact? Yes, you're in my mind, you psychotic bitch, and you shouldn't be here. (laughs) It's a very cool moment. I appreciate it. Of course, the wire hanger is red. Yeah, of course, it's like if it's in Boston House, shit's going to be red. That's the way it goes. So we cut over to Pops and Archie shows up. He's like, what are y'all doing? And everyone's there repainting the houses. And he's like, I was about to break those down and haul them away. No, you're not. Tabitha called us, Archie. We started a project and we're doubling down to finish it. And, you know, Archie's like, yeah, but a few hours later, someone's going to vandalize them again. And he's like, well, then we'll repaint them as many times as we have to. So grab a brush. It's cold out. I do love that Tony is painting the white worm. Yeah, she's she, it's she is painting it with the name of white worm on it. And so like, fuck it. <laughs> it's great. She's like, we're, we're going all in on this. And so like Jughead comes by 
Um, and he's like, I do need to talk to you about something. I don't think Doc was the one that attacked Kevin. And Archie's like, who else could have been? Hello there. Now, what are you <laughs> folks doing? So my goodness, those are charming houses. So Percival's shown up. And he's like, but, you know, these are great houses, but there's no need for them anymore. Sketch Alley is no longer an issue. And they're like, what? I took it upon myself to visit Sketch Alley. And I spoke with the people living there and got them to move on. Leave town. Start over somewhere else. How to do that? Call it the power of persuasion. I also bought them bus tickets and gave them each some money to build new lives elsewhere. A hundred fucking dollars. I was like, what? Yeah. And that's what they do. They're like, well, we gave gave these people some money. You gave them a couple hundred bucks and set them in a place where they have nothing. Yep. (laughs) Because at least in your town where the unhoused are, they typically are able to find some roots in a community where they can find a way to survive. Well, and that's what they don't want. They don't want them building community. They don't want them having any sense of ownership over something that the city doesn't feel like they've earned and paid for. And it's like, they're a human being. And like, that's where the housing is a human right movement is coming from. It's like, people deserve dignity. And they do. Yes. Like, unapologetically, they do. (laughs) We cut to the group going to Sketch Alley. And it's empty. And here is where we start hearing the music that we usually get at the end of an episode. That dun 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 that that starts here, which I was like, oh okay, we're at the end of the episode. Nope. Nah. We cut to Britta is asleep, and she wakes up, and Cheryl has appeared to her in her dreams. She's like, you've done well and proven yourself a dutiful and loyal factotum. Oh my god. You will be rewarded, but only after we have driven out that she demon Abigail out of my beautiful body. Which was like, how do we do that? And Cheryl goes, I haven't the faintest idea. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> Which I do love. I like that Cheryl is stuck and doesn't know what to do. We're going to take care of this. I have no idea. <laughs> well, you know what? We don't get that from Cheryl very often. Even if she doesn't know, she typically acts like she knows. So this is this is a bit of vulnerability from Cheryl. I'm not saying it's growth because... Fuck that shit. We're not retconning Cheryl. We might. We might by the end of this. You Fuck never off. know. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> but this is a moment of vulnerability from this character that we don't typically get. Yeah. It's good. So we go to another town hall and people are, you know, just praising Percival. It's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the town of Riverdale can breathe a little easier now. The <laughs> denizens of Sketch Alley are on their way to a better place. Oh, that that line. Did he murder them? I exactly I was like, what do you mean? Are they no longer with us? A better place? Man, seriously. Woo. And he's going to be joining the police department as a deputy along with Tom and Kevin. Oh my god. And like Archie's watching this all angry, and in his mind he goes, "He's like a supervillain." To which Jughead goes, "That's exactly what he is." And Archie's like, "What?" And he goes, "We seriously need to talk tonight, okay?" <laughs> oh, Jug. Which again, I love this. So the meeting's over, and Veronica approaches Alice. She goes, "Hey, you know, in all this excitement, the casino didn't even come up." And so Alice is like, "You know, 
After careful review and some solid advice from Percival, the council believe that there's a lot of risk in partnering with Babylonium, which could be mitigated possibly, but quite frankly, Veronica, the biggest liability is you. To which Veronica's like, what? <laughs> the large name is synonymous with crime and corruption because of Hiram. You're its figurehead, the public face. So the council feels that we can really only support the casino and the idea of becoming a new Atlantic City if you take a backseat out of the limelight. And like Veronica's like, Alice, I'm not my father. And I've worked really hard not to be my father. And Alice does not give two shit. She's like, take offense or not, Veronica, but I'd like to see you do this without our support. The picketing, the bad publicity, the complaints to the gaming board, the raids, the sanctions. We won't lose this fight. <laughs> they are they are also setting up. Now, I know Percival is clearly going to be our big bag, but they're setting up Alice to be the one who is enacting all of the big bad behavior, which I really do love because it really harkens back to like season one, Alice, who is a meddling pain in the ass. Except Frank's going to eventually be like, Alice, this isn't you. <laughs> well, it's going to cost it's going to cost her Frank, which I'm also fine with. Mm, I don't know. I, like, Maybe I, FP comes back. It's a possibility. I would love it. <laughs> I'm all for that. So we go back to the casino. Reggie's happy because he gets to do scams now. All of the above. Scams, hustles, money. You just see him go like, yes. And so Araldo comes back and Veronica's like, hey, yeah, put the word out to your wise guys. We need to make money. And he's like, no problem. He goes, oh, yeah, I looked in that guy. I found nothing. There's no paper trail behind him. The guy's a ghost. It's like he didn't even exist before he showed up here in Riverdale. Bingo. I love Veronica also saying, guess I am my father's daughter. <laughs> yep. Love it. Love it. So then we cut to Archie. And he hears, he's watched TV and he hears the door open and it's Betty. We haven't seen Betty this entire episode. This is the least we've had Betty in an episode in ever, I think. <laughs> and she comes in and she almost looks like she's drunk because She's walking very slowly and like haphazardly and she's got big sunglasses on and Archie's like, Betty. Uh, and she's like, yeah, can you turn off the TV and the rest of the lights? And he's like, yeah, sure. Is it okay? D did KBK hurt you? And she goes, no, no, I lost him in Maine. Like, <laughs> this is something else. She's like, you know, those bad headaches, they've only gotten worse. And I figured out that they're triggered by light. So the brighter the light, the more excruciating the pain. Because I think it's the side effect of being able to see auras, which I can still do, by the way. And they're just like, okay. Oh, hi. I love, I love her being cute. Like, By the way, hi. <laughs> like, I'm so happy to be home. And he's like, yeah, it's not the same without you. Did I miss anything? A lot. It turns out Jug can read minds since the explosion. What? Yeah. Which, <laughs> love it. And Percival Pickens, the weird guy who showed up out of nowhere to buy, try to buy my house. Uh-huh. We think he control people's minds. Make people do things. Bad things. We're in trouble, Betty. The whole town is. Which is like, I love like for Betty, it's just kind of like, yeah, this tracks. <laughs> but as he's saying that, then we cut to Percival, which I couldn't clock where he was. I don't think it's a place we've been before. Some study that he it looks has. like a study. It, it's very reminiscent of Thornhill, which makes sense. Because, well, OK, it's just reminiscent of Thornhill, but in a with a different vibe. It's the Pickens estate. Yeah, it's probably the Pickens estate. That makes the most sense. But we he's writing something down and then we see over his shoulder that he that he has like a murder board, but it's all the people in the town <laughs> and it, like and we zero in on Archie and then we look at his book and it says Jughead Jones can read minds or mind reader. 
Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> Riverdale. Well, this show's redonkulous. This show's redonkulous. So he's a Pickens, but I feel like Julian's a part of this as well. What? Okay. <laughs> this theory isn't fully this, this, this theory isn't fully fleshed out. So my theory is still that Percival is in fact like Abigail, and that's somebody who's like from the past. Augustus Pickens. Uh, well, I don't know if he's Augustus Pickens, but all of the throwing out of Julian in this episode, because we see the doll and then we see Cheryl in that outfit, makes me think that there is some familial connection between the Blossoms and the Pickens. It wasn't like maybe there was a betrothal gone wrong. Maybe there was a child we didn't know about. I feel like Julian, like, there's something going on with that because we also have the creepy possessed doll aspect of that from previous seasons as well. So there's a part of me that thinks that maybe Percival is actually Julian or I don't know, but there's some, something's up with that. And some, and that's a part of it. I haven't completely fleshed this out, but it came to me while we were talking about this. And I was like, Oh, maybe uh, that, that seems too many levels deep for this show. Yeah, but, you know, I still think Kevin is TBK, so that's a whole other thing. No. He's probably not. But the whole I lost him in Maine thing, like, we need to have a whole episode, like, what was Betty doing? What's going on? What's happening in Maine? Well, let's go see what's happening next time. Maybe we'll find that out. Well, clearly, uh, Cheryl is back next time. And uh, Kevin is filing for full custody of baby Anthony, (laughs) which is a whole thing. The whole serpent slash sheriff thing there makes that pretty gross. Well, yeah. Well, it makes me think. So they didn't know who who was the biological father of baby Anthony. Yeah. Is my understanding. So that's what I'm thinking is while Kevin was watching the baby, he got a DNA sample and ran it to find out that he is the biological father of baby Anthony so that he could do this. Oh, boy. Which is also very fucked up. You completely abandoned your people. So no, like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's real bad. I don't love it any way you slice it. I don't like it. Please just make him be TBK. That's way more interesting. <laughs> it's way more interesting. If you were going to fuck Kevin up, make him fun fucked up. Yeah. Like, we know we're going to murder Kevin this season. That's just clearly happening. Just not barf fucked up. Just make it interesting. Whatever. Someone so tries th- to poison Betty. Yeah. Which, you know. We got a blo- we got blossom crazy happening. So yeah, that tracks. Could be Abigail. Could be Abigail, but I suspect it's actually Cheryl. But I did I did like the part from the pre- promise like we're the good guys spoken like a true villain. Yeah. <laughs> like that tracks. Like that tracks. I'm here for this. I think part of it is like, you know, well we have these powers and I think part of bringing it back to Cheryl, number 1, it's the whole curse part of it. Sure. But number 2, it's yeah, but y'all aren't realizing that your powers also, <laughs> oh, fuck me, with great power comes great responsibility. So, like, they're missing the deeper root connection of what they need to do. Sure. 
And I think Cheryl's whole thing is like, you have to atone for the past. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> Which is where fighting Pickens comes in. Maybe. Because I bet you who led that charge to take down Abigail. Yeah, but I bet you because we can see that Abigail isn't completely innocent. There's probably a side to this that we don't know about. That doesn't excuse what happens to Abigail, but it might give some context to why those people didn't like her. It's it's going to be it's going to be gross no matter what it is. Let's be clear. It's going to be fascinating and also disturbingly yucky. And God damn it. I. (sighs) Yeah, whatever. That's just where I'm at. I'm like, whatever. We keep taking hard right turns. And and for a minute there, I thought we were going to take hard right turns into just wacky. But now they're getting all real with it. And I don't know how much I care about that. Like, now y'all are bringing in baby Anthony. Baby Anthony didn't do shit. Don't be messing up that baby. That's the little serpent king to be. No. Don't mess with the fucking babies. By the way, have you seen what the title of this episode is? It's the Serpent Queen's Gambit, which is stupid, but okay. But that does make me think Tony's going to have to make some type of like exchange. She's going to have to she like in order to keep her baby, she's got to give up the serpents. Probably what it's going to be. I bet you that's what it is. Well, because the gang is that's what's causing all the issues in the town or so-called. Yeah. So it's like we have to disband the gang. (laughs) Yeah, that was just stupid. But whatever. But it's part of the, the plan to take down. All the pa- all all the centralized things in Riverdale. Yep. For Percy to take over. I've started calling him Percy because it's much easier to say. It is easier. It's more <laughs> mess, but he and Percy sounds more douche like than Percival. He's such a little fucking snot. I love it. Turd. All right. Well, until next time. Hashtag Bulldogs Forever. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.